Hello and welcome to another episode of In Conversation with by Kangaroo Mind. I am Vedika and today we have with us Ms. Anaita Sanjana. Ms. Sanjana has been a yoga practitioner and a yoga teacher for over the decade. Her interest in yoga began after her college education in 1993. And coupled with her love for teaching, Ms. Sanjana in 2003 took up yoga as a board subject and started teaching in that capacity as well. In the year 2014, the University of Chicago recognized Ms. Sanjana with the Outstanding Educator Award for her work with teenagers. Besides teaching yoga, Ms. Sanjana is also the youth coordinator for the Sri Aurobindo Society in Mumbai. Before we begin our conversation today with Ms. Sanjana, which focuses on yoga and our mental health, I would like to put out a trigger warning for our audience. In case you find any of the topics today distressing or triggering, please take a step back and take care of yourself. Please speak to someone if you need to. And there's a range of resources available on our website under the resources tab in case you need it. So now, without taking up much time, let's hear more from Ms. Sanjana. Welcome to the episode, Ms. Sanjana, and we're really looking forward to hearing more from you and your experiences with yoga. So before jumping in, so I'm going to jump right in and ask you something which I think you get asked a lot. Like, what does yoga mean to you and what's been your inspiration to take up yoga? So... Uh, what yoga means to me is to be enough to myself because before I came to yoga, my whole conditioning, my whole thinking was that I can source my happiness from the outside. I can source my happiness from security of circumstances outside. And this conditioning was so strong in me that... Uh, I did not believe that it, unless negative circumstances changed, I could ever be happy. And that was my conditioning till 22. So obviously, I was still 22, barking up the wrong tree because all my life energies were about changing circumstances outside under the delusion that only if they changed, I could be happy. Then when I was 22, something happened for which in hindsight, I'm grateful. I had a very dear friend in school, Nilu. She was my best friend all through. And uh, those days, I didn't believe in yoga. I didn't believe so much in the abstract. I was a student of science. And I thought yoga should be done when I'm 60 years old, when I'm bored. It just looks very boring if you look at it from the outside. So I didn't really want to do yoga, but Nilu was so much fun to be with that when she told me that let's join a yoga class, I said, sure, just to spend more time with her, not really interested in yoga. So we went for one yoga class together, but we kind of fooled around, came out, didn't think much of yoga anyways. Then one week after, it's strange, but Nilu succumbed to a fever which couldn't be explained and she moved on. Uh, 
and uh, nothing had equipped me to face those kind of circumstances i remember i was kind of unhappy all the time whether i watched a movie i mean there was it just felt like i had to do something to get out of that space so since i'd already enrolled for that class with nilu went back to my second yoga class did it seriously followed all the instructions and when i came out after weeks i found my mind was calmer i was more centered i was a little bit happier and the scientist in me grew curious that what is yoga doing that the circumstance outside that nilu's no more hasn't changed but somehow i'm not that unhappy about it at least for a window of time then of course it would come back to life practice again so that made me go deeper into yoga and that's the biggest gift yoga has to offer it makes us independent and free in the true sense we think freedom is that we get what we want we get to do what we want but i think real freedom is when you're not dependent on the outside to give you your security your sense of happiness your peace and you're sourcing it from inside you in a way that there's a beautiful word for it swayambhu when i'm a womb to myself a womb to myself and that's what yoga really gives me i find that i can enjoy the outside more without needing it it's not that it makes me an aesthetic i can still interact with people but my interactions are more full because they don't come out of neediness and addiction because i know that whatever i need i can get from myself and that's what sri aurobindo says when all other means fail man may find hid within him the key to perfect change and yoga really gives us an access to that key vedika you know is that like you know really beautifully put you know how you know we can use yoga more than just a form of you know exercise or just doing oh, that's asanas, very small find, you know that, that is so small in our peace because i think a lot of times people think of yoga as more of you know just doing one asana after the other after the other So I think you yes. shared a bit about you know your story in terms of how yoga helped you sort of come out of you know your loss but can you tell us a bit more about how yoga can have benefits for mental health and well-being Yeah uh huge benefits because first of all um a lot of our unhappiness anxiety stress comes from an over dependence on the outside and the outside is changing however much we try we are never going to be able to control how another mind sees us how our victories and failures pan out so if my happiness is based on that over which i really don't have too much control i'm always going to live with insecurity and the consequent anxiety but uh, yoga as i said makes you less dependent on the outside for your happiness 
and somebody who's not experienced it may not understand what does it even mean to get happiness from inside but even if you've done one fulfilling yoga class you'll see what i mean and uh, really there's a new age science called neuroplasticity it fascinates me that yoga has actually tapped into neuroplasticity without labs without scientific equipment and its whole practice is actually based on neuroplasticity let me spend a little time explaining this so scientists have found that nerve cells which make up your nervous system are actually plastic in their connections earlier we thought it was hardwired and fixed but we have found that nerve cells make certain connections with each other for each emotion that we feel so suppose this is nerve cell 1 nerve cell 2 nerve cell 3 and this is the circuit for anxiety so every time you feel anxiety this circuit gets fired in your nervous system making the blueprint for anxiety more hardwired but if you cannot indulge the anxiety and you say watch your breath they have actually found this circuit gets less and less hardwired and eventually disintegrates so when you stretch in an asana the same nervous system that reacts to difficulties of life will react to the pain of the pose if you change your reactivity threshold in an asana it automatically changes in life circumstances also so uh, basically anxiety we feel it's caused because life is stuck but life is beautiful our anxiety is about the blueprint in our nervous system if we change that blueprint life we see as beautiful because it is really beautiful so that's one thing second thing is yoga through your own experience brings you in touch with the cosmic intelligence uh, something as simple as your breath which is linked to prana through your practice you discover it's not your breath it's universal and uh, when you start believing in this higher power somehow things become much easier if you heard of carl jung which you definitely must have one of the names in western psychology he's supposed to have said of all the people who came to me that means people with mental imbalances not one believed in a higher power mm-hmm. so he's implying that if you believe somehow it the path just gets easier and this is not a belief which has to be indoctrinated uh it's a belief you come through through your own life experiences just the way you discover truths by living this is a truth of existence so you should not absorb it just because somebody is telling you but you have to be open to it make your experiments with life make your experiments with this higher power and it will speak to you and once you experience it automatically all the burdens drop away you know 
Since you said a few things around yoga and anxiety and how, you know, watching our breath can make such a big difference, like even in terms of like a scientific perspective to the entire narrative. So do you think, you know, just a little bit about can yoga help someone who's having, you know, early signs of a mental illness, whether it's, you know, onset of depression. In fact, uh, mental illnesses, anxiety, depression, Umpteen of my students have gotten out of it and are doing so well. But the, what I'm very grateful for was I taught one teenager who had pretty bad schizophrenia. And uh, beginning was staff. She would actually run out of my yoga classes because she couldn't take the silence. So I'm not saying it's recommended for everyone with schizophrenia without preparation, but somehow this teenager eventually took to yoga very deeply. She came on yoga camps with me to Pandicherry, etc., which were a turning point in her life. And a few weeks back, she messaged me that I'm off all medication. And for me, that was really something I was very grateful to yoga for. No, that's interesting because, you know, as you said that there a lot of times yoga is really advocated in a mental health setting as well, you know, that as a means of, you know, like alleviating stress or, you know, handling anxiety or just like in terms of building a resilience within you. So, Miss, you know, a lot of times yoga, a lot of people look at it purely as like an aerobic exercise method, if I could just use that word. So in what way do you feel that, you know, the benefits from yoga vary from that of like just exercising? Very good question, Vedika. So uh, all other exercises, no, I can't say all other, but a lot of other exercises focus on skeletomuscular strengthening, the surface of the physical body. But yoga sense work on the organic body. That means the organs inside. For example, when yoga was created thousands of years ago, thyroid wasn't discovered by science. And yet we know that the Sarvangasana reverses thyroid problems or twists, Marichasana, etc. reverse diabetes and things like that. So the whole Yoga in every way works from inside out because you really cannot strengthen your muscles also if you have an endocrine imbalance. If you have a hormonal balance, automatically your muscles have a greater chance of strengthening. So everything in yoga works from inside out rather than outside in. Secondly, uh, most other forms of physical exercise involve movement. Uh, yoga, of course, has a movement component, the Tibetan rites, the Surya Namaskars, the Vinyasas, but it's the asanas are largely, even Patanjali, its founder, says Thiram Sukham Asanam. An asana is a posture which you hold steadily for a period of time. It's one exercise in which you don't move because yoga has always said that your body is condensed thought. It's not easy for a lay person to still the mind. So yoga says start with the body. Keep the body still. It will help the mind also to come to stillness. 
Okay, that that's a really interesting way of looking at it, you know, that how it sort of stills you down one step at a time. You see, you know, you've been a yoga educator for so many years, you know, you've been teaching. And even for me, like my first introduction to yoga that I can remember has been through you in school. So in your experience and, you know, with doing yoga and teaching yoga, why do you think it's important that, you know, schools start introducing students to yoga? You know, Vedika, when I found yoga, I was teaching math and biology at JB. And uh, that's the time I felt cheated by my education because everything that I was learning through yoga uh, I felt should be part of every child's education. Our education teaches us so much about the world outside, but so little about the world inside. Uh, sometimes we don't know what to do about a simple thing like a bad mood. So many teenagers ask, I don't know what to do with my emotions. They just overwhelm me. And all of yoga is an education about Knowing yourself and working with yourself. If you're given a car to drive, unless you know its clutches, its gears, its speed, whatever, how will you drive it well? Your mind, body is the car given to you to drive the journeys of life. If you don't know its triggers, its clutches, its gears, how will you drive it well? You're bound to keep meeting with emotional and psychological accidents. And uh, very touchingly, I'll, to illustrate this, I'll tell you about a boy I once taught. Uh, so when he came to me in the eighth grade, he was the most disruptive boy in class. He would want to play ball while we do asanas and shavasan. He was rolling all over. Then we went to our yoga camp to Pondicherry and... Uh, he would sit at the samadhi there for a long time. I had to wake him up. And uh, when he came back, he was a changed boy. And when he wrote reflections, I make them write reflections on the camp. He wrote that till the second standard, I was a very happy child. Then I was diagnosed with dyslexia. And marks became all important. I felt like a failure. I lived in constant fear. And perhaps this disruptive behavior was just unhappiness inside. Again, yoga, in fact, this is part of my yoga ICSC notes that everything that appears to be terrible is something that is unhappy inside and lacking in love. So we mustn't stop short at the surface appearance. It could be something very beautiful inside which just needs a moment to blossom. And yoga helps that being to find that moment of blossoming. So he said that after Kagu coming for the yoga camp, I found that happiness I'd lost since the second standard. And now my only fear is that I mustn't lose it again. So can we see how important it is to give children the education that you're not just asans and stretching, Right. But the holistic education of consciousness that yoga gives. I think, you know, Miss, what you said, and that's, you know, a really like remarkable story to hear about that, you know, how someone could transform and 
how actually we don't realize why sometimes children are acting up or we don't end up going into the root cause of problems and you know i think just to add to what you said like you know sometimes like our education system which you also touched upon is so focused on marks and you know just they just want to teach you how to like effectively get a livelihood we somewhere forget to teach you know children how to actually live and based yes. on you know the things that you've mentioned and you know your teachings and the teachings of shri arbindo that you focus on somewhere you're just teaching people you know how to live a good life and one of the absolutely we wanted to have this was that you know yoga is more than just exercise you know just more than just doing asanas because a lot of times even when children learn yoga in school it's more like a supplementary exercise class you know where you're making so that's the advantage of doing it as a board subject vedika we get to go into a lot of theory like vedanta which revolves around who am i or uh, ekhat tolls power of now and sages like shri aurobindo vivekananda and the tremendous message the lives of our sages of india gave so whatever we do in theory class we get a chance to partially experience in us in practice it's not just stretch pull exercise no not at all right because even from what you know i remember of like when we used to do yoga with you and it wasn't at that time like we didn't what as a board subject but it was just you know our early introduction to yoga and you used to focus a lot on like you know just whether it's progressive relaxation or like even your matchbox exercise you know like the visualization part so it wasn't that oh, you remember that yeah there is not just that you sit down and do you know okay like we have one hour so how many surya namaskars can we do or you know how many different asanas can we do and i think it would be really beneficial for people to start looking at yoga in a very different perspective absolutely see what does yoga mean vedika it comes from the sanskrit word yuj uniting with that magical something inside you which is the key to making your life work if we are not focusing on going within and uniting with that then it's just exercise it's not even asanas so you know miss like another thing which is you know which comes up a lot is that yoga meditation and mindfulness a lot of times these three words are you know either used interchangeably or there's some confusion in terms of you know how those three aspects really work so can you throw a little bit of light on that distinction sure sweeta according to me yoga is the superset meditation mindfulness are the subsets so ideally when you're doing an asana with a little practice you're in deep meditation in the asana and mindfulness is present moment awareness a lot of the yoga practice is about going into what's happening in your body in your environment rather than racing your thoughts into the past or the future and if you cultivated that mindfulness and meditative state in an asana practice you've already changed the blueprint in your consciousness and your nervous system it just effortlessly follows you through the day
So what my yoga teacher used to say is that your yoga class is the practice for the actual yoga which is done in life. Okay, that that's a really lovely way to you know sort of put it. Because you know, see, yes. right now going through the pandemic, we've seen that a lot of people have taken to yoga. You know, during mm. this time, you know, what do you yeah. think sort of contributed to that, and how do you think yoga can really help people through this time? So, uh, you know, Vedika, when we not focused on cultivating an inner life. and our outer life is taken of the distractions of outer life are taken away from us it can be very overwhelming because you are in a limbo uh so a student of mine very insightfully said that we are all worried about a lockdown but look at it this way you have to live with your mind wherever you are so you're in your mind you're in a permanent lockdown you can't escape your mind now in a lockdown situation if your home environment is pleasant you like family time etc it becomes a joy if your family situation is dysfunctional it becomes depressing now you are in a lockdown in your mind all the time so if your mind is fragrant with happy things and you're happy in your own company it's a very blessed period but if you are somebody whose whose mind is not a happy place to be in you're locked down in a dysfunctional family situation metaphorically so then obviously if you're intelligent you look to make in the metaphor your family situation happier because you have to live with it 24/7 similarly you look to make your mind a happier place to be and one thing yoga does is definitely that it makes you much more comfortable in your skin and it gives you a mind which you're happy to live with it changes the quality of your thoughts the mind states and that's what people have to live with in the lockdown right their own mind states without distraction so people have turned hugely to yoga and yes it has helped them tremendously even with covid i find that it's more a battle of the mind than the body i find it does something very strange to the mind and i find that people who are anchored in themselves somehow recover from it much faster i had two young students who were having a very bad time with covid and i told them now enough talking on phone even if you're very weak let's do pranayam in your bed so we did a zoom call we did pranayam in their bed the girl said she was feverish before we started but 40 minutes into doing our pranayama and meditation her fever came down the boy said that his coughing spells reduced significantly and he started feeling much better doing the pranayama every day so really we are looking for immunity outside through an outer vaccination but the more foolproof immunity is the immunity you can develop from within yourself by strengthening your mind body structures and that's what yoga gives you
I think, you know, Miss, as you said, like one of the hardest things that people found in the lockdown was that, you know, suddenly you're stuck with your thoughts. I would say yes. like I'm using yes. the word stuck because, you know, as you said, we're always locked down in our mind. But the thing is, we used to always look for distractions, you know, like either yes. we would bury ourselves in work or, you know, go out and just sort of kill that time till, you know, you're exhausted enough that, okay, I'm not going to think about this. I've sort of found an escapist route to get out of the thoughts that I'm having. And being locked down with those thoughts where you don't have any physical escape route from them, I think a lot of people didn't have a choice but to confront, you know, what they've been putting off. And maybe, as you said, you know, that's what turned a lot of people to yoga. You see, you know, yes. another complaint that came a lot in the pandemic is that sleeplessness and insomnia sort of yes. increased. Yes, yes. But you know, how do you think people can better sort of cope with this using yoga and the understanding of yoga? So, Vedika, uh, yoga is actually a science. So, a uh, little bit about your nervous system will help understand and its connection with yoga. So, we have the sympathetic nervous system within us, which kickstarts whenever we are under threat. Now, the body doesn't know the difference between a thought of stress, stress and actual stress. So if you're habitually thinking, oh, I'm under threat, life sucks, blah, blah, blah. Your sympathetic nervous system is constantly kickstarted. What does it do? It withdraws blood from your brain, from your skin, from your digestive system and pumps it into the muscle to give you the fight or flight response. Now, this is wonderful if you're in a jungle chased by an animal. But if you're writing a test or meeting a deadline at work, it's not going to help you to strengthen your muscles. Mm -hmm. In fact, it's going to make you less functional because blood is being pulled out of your brain. Right? right. So stress actually makes you less intelligent. Now, whenever your mind thinks, okay, danger is over, chill time, the other parasympathetic nervous system takes over and restores the body to normalcy. The muscles relax, the brain is filled with blood, everything comes back to normal. But if you're constantly thinking, I'm under threat, I'm under threat because it's become a habit, your parasympathetic nervous system never kickstarts. Now, your parasympathetic nervous system relaxes muscles, causes vasodilation, helps you to sleep, helps you to relax. And in the nervous system, what you don't use, you lose. If somehow the parasympathetic nervous system is never getting a chance to kickstart, over a period of time, it becomes dysfunctional. So the insomnia, the constant anxiety, so many youngsters tell me, I don't even know what I'm anxious about. Yeah. There's circumstantially nothing so much that should make me anxious, but it's just that the parasympathetic nervous system needs to be kickstarted. Now, a lot of yoga sense is about kickstarting the parasympathetic nervous system, be it the silver bullet, sarvangasana, uh, shavasana, forward bending poses. A lot of yoga works on just kickstarting a sluggish parasympathetic nervous system. 
So that's how insomnia is very easily reversed with a little bit of yoga, daily yoga practice. Not that you do a class once a week and then don't do it the rest of the week. But people who practice it daily, like eating breakfast, very easily their insomnia gets reversed. Yes, you know, even your uh, matchbox visualization technique, you know, it used to put, it was almost a calming technique for, you know, like when your anxiety has just kicked in. And as you said, sometimes we really don't know, like you're feeling every single physiological response to anxiety, but there's no perceived threat around you. Yes. Like you don't know why yes. you're feeling what you're feeling. But you are feeling that sense of, you know, unease and you can feel your heart is racing and things. So can you just, um, like, you know, just briefly tell us a little bit about that. So, you know, that anyone who's viewing this or listening to this can, if they want to practice that technique, could do it. Certainly, Vedika. But uh, may I ask you to say it since you've been practicing it so I much? Think no, like, you know, Miss, I very briefly, vaguely remember it from the time we were in school. But I think, you know, coming from you, it'll be the exact thing and <laughs> as it was. Okay, so Vedika, the truth is, this was so long back, I remember it vaguely. But I think what I have told you, and you correct me, because I remember it very vaguely since it was so yeah. long back. But what I had told you is that if there's a scenario which is stressing you, you bring, you shut your eyes, you bring it in the chidakash, the black space in front of your eyes, and you see it shrinking, 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 till it fits into a matchbox, which you shut and put away. Exactly. I think that's exactly what, you know, you always told us. And it was something which was a huge part of our school, you know, classes and things that, you know, if you're ever in that situation, just look at it in that way so you can completely Because it's power. about perspective, na, Vedika. Everything is, oh, happiness is a perspective, I tell you. You change perspectives, you're happy. No, I think, you know, the whole thing about like disempowering your worries, so like looking at it, you know, as like this huge monster to then just bringing it down to something that's so small, you can sort yeah. of just put it aside almost and move on. Yes, yes. I mean, there are many things. There are some people who are not visual, so they may not be able to do this well. So something else will work for right. them. Right. Like, Each you know, for some people, like, journaling works. For some people, you know, like, visualizing yes. your worry yes. sense works. There's, um, I don't know if you're familiar with that concept of a worry monster, but they use it a lot with children. It's basically this little stuffed toy in which you just sort of write down your worries and, like, put it in and, like, zip it up. And, you know, oh. the next day, as the parents are told, Very you know, nice. just keep a lookout for your child's worry monster and take those things out overnight. Lovely way, Dika. So I think every know, parent should do that. So that's it's one of the lovely things, idea. you know, we propagate a lot that, you know, even if it's not a toy, like have a worry jar or something, you know, where children can But a toy down. is beautiful because a toy... Uh, sort of you're offering your worries to something that you love so you feel less threatened putting it in so I think it's a lovely idea and it's almost you know so the child wakes up especially with younger children that you wake up with that idea that the monster has eaten up your worries 
and the parent yeah. now knows what is stressing the child out. Lovely. Lovely. So the toy is a monster, not a it's soft literally. toy they love. No, it's shaped like a little monster, but a really friendly monster. Oh, nice. So, so if, a toy they love. Eventually nice. they will, you know. So, I mean, you can do that. You can do a worry jar. Older children prefer journaling. And, you know, some people would really benefit from this sort of guided visualization of that magic. Yeah, of course. Of course. So, like another thing, you know, Miss, like your interest in yoga came from a place where you initially started, you know, with your friend and it helped you better later on understand coping with that loss and that sense of grief. So can mm. you tell us a bit more about, you know, how yoga can help? Yeah, us, you know, like yeah. Vidika, that's a very important question. You know, uh, I can honestly say, that when it happened to me more than 20 years ago, loss of a loved one, it was grief I can't describe. Uh, if the same thing happened today, yes, there would be grief, but there would be consciousness along with the grief. And Toll uh, says it beautifully, the fire of suffering can become the light of consciousness. When you're in the path of yoga, it's not that you don't suffer, but you suffer consciously. And because you suffer consciously, the wound of the suffering is much less. You see a purpose to that suffering. You understand that life measures every drop of pain it gives to you and nothing is without a purpose. And instead of saying, why me? You start asking, okay, what do I have to learn from this pain? And, uh, you know, I was very gratified. I have a student, a boy who's been doing yoga with me since he was 10. Recently, his best friend's father, uh, father moved on. And uh, his best friend was very distraught, obviously. And my student said, yes, I understand that my friend is distraught. But uh, I don't think I would be so distraught. So I said, why? So he said, because yoga has taught me so clearly that a person doesn't end with the end of the body. The body has disappeared. The person is still there somewhere in the realm as a consciousness. And I don't, I would not actually feel I've lost a parent. I would just know that the parent is in another dimension. And maybe some way I can communicate with them because they are not lost. They haven't disappeared. So if you have that kind of understanding, not as a thought, but in this boy, it was a very living knowledge that this body is not all that I am. That's the whole thing. We live thinking we are only this body. That's why this whole culture of getting the perfect body at any cost, etc., but yoga, through your own experience, makes you see that the body is a small part of the vastness that you are. Right. So also, your loved one, their body is a small part of the vastness that they are. And when the body disappears, it's not like the loved one is gone. Mm -hmm. And when you really know that, I'm not saying the grief will go away because you will miss the person for the role they filled in your life. But at least you understand that death is not something terrible, that something horrible hasn't happened to the person you've lost. 
it's a natural transition it's it's a stage it's a change of dimension so at least that feeling of being cheated by life that something terrible has happened to my loved one goes away right because you know is the reason i asked is that you know like right now with the covid people are sort of going through this collective sense of grief and trauma and you know as you mentioned you know your student whose friend lost his father so it's brought about a lot of realization in people around grief like you know the way we spoke about grief earlier has also sort of changed because earlier we looked at grief and you know people used to say that you know it's okay just move on you know or how long are you going to hold on to this but i think just that understanding that you know you can move forward with your grief you don't have to because it will be there. right you know as even you mentioned with um, your experience that there are days when it will catch up with you which is sort of having that understanding but i'm you know, saying if you have the understanding it will at least be less it won't go away and it's not wrong to grieve you must grieve you can't suppress it but at least if you bring a little awareness to that grieving it's far less painful you know you mentioned one thing uh, right now like when you were talking about grief is around finding purpose in that sense of grief and moving with it can you just touch a bit more upon that you know how can we find purpose in our grief because sometimes oh, vedic yes please sometimes finish. it becomes so overwhelming that we can't see beyond that sense of loss you know you're just completely consumed by your grief that you know i've lost someone and i don't know how to move on my life will not move forward without you know that yes feeling that things will be okay without that person in our life so how can we find that purpose to our grief yeah vedika so as i said when i lost my friend in hindsight i feel she literally led me to yoga and she left mm-hmm. i don't think i would have turned to yoga with this kind of momentum had i not gone through that pain so maybe you can't find the purpose in the moment but you can have faith in the moment uh, that time i didn't have that faith so it was overwhelming but hopefully now i would have that faith that if it has happened it has to be for my good sri aurobindo says it beautifully whether it seem good or evil to men's eyes only for the good the secret will can work so just to remind myself that it's happened and it's looking terrible to me because my understanding and seeing is limited but uh, the universal intelligence it seeing is infinite it's large it sees much more than what i can it's like if there's a giant who's 10000 floors tall he can see the view of the whole bombay city if you personify this intelligence is that giant if he sees a tsunami coming towards me he'll pick me up and put me in a safe place but because he's so huge i won't be able to see his hand even if he's standing in front of me wearing black shoes i'll just see a big wall black wall i will not see the giant 
So because we don't see the whole picture the way universal intelligence does, it's appearing bad and unfortunate to us. But uh, yoga has this beautiful concept of Ishwar Pranidhan, surrendering the results of anything that happens to that intelligence, that if it has come, it must be good. And I know it's tough, but if you make that leap of faith, it gives you so much strength to go through crisis. And they say, faith is something that you believe in without seeing. And the reward for faith is seeing it. So if you live with this faith, eventually you see that anything in life will let you down. But this life intelligence will never let you down. It will only give you as much pain as is good for your growth. Not one, in, not one drop more. So when pain comes, you don't regard it as something terrible. You regard it as part of life, something that has come to help you to grow. You don't indulge it, but you don't shun it either. You just bring awareness to it till it reveals to you what you have to learn from it. Right. It's like one more thing that, you know, I want to ask you is that, you know, like we talk about a lot about this, that, you know, healing the body and healing the mind and like vice versa. And can you tell us a little more about that interconnection between healing the body and healing the mind? So Vedika, modern biology has categorically said that your whole biochemistry changes with every thought you think. And yoga has said this thousands of years ago that your body is simply condensed thought. That you think you're thinking stuff and it's okay, it's going to go. That every thought is secreting your body. Uh, in fact, scientists have found that your hypothalamus secretes a neuropeptide for every emotion you feel. And what baffles them is that there's not even a nanosecond time lag between feeling that emotion and the presence of that neuropeptide in your blood. It feels like the mind and the body are rising as one unit, the emotion and the neuropeptide. So, and those neuropeptides do various things to make you ill over a period of time. I'm not going into that. But uh, that's the whole thing. Uh, Good exercise, good food, very important for health. But the greatest health tonic is a happy, positive mind because your mind is becoming the moment, the body this minute as you sit with me and mine same way as I'm talking to you. So since yoga does such wonderful things for your mind, it's obviously going to heal the body. Like, I'll tell you, I had a student who came to me years ago. She was 110 kilos. She had palpitation, BP, sciatica, spondylitis. I cannot tell you the host of illnesses. She used to do yoga sitting on a chair. A year or so into yoga, she lost 40 kilos just with not to yoga, walking and a reasonable diet. And my explanation is that we often put on weight as a security blanket to feel safe. When you start feeling safe inside yourself, your body, which is your mind, starts shedding weight. 
uh, whole uh, her spondylitis, sciatica, everything healed. Today, she is one of the most flexible and capable bodies in my yoga class. She does mind blowing because she was always flexible, but these things stopped her from doing. But the amazing thing is, she told me a few years ago that when she went to her gynec, her gynec was zapped because apparently she had cysts and there were no more cysts after yoga that her sonography showed. And she hadn't even told me about the cysts because that was a minor thing compared to everything else. So because yoga works so holistically, it healed her of everything, things that I didn't even know she had. And that's because she shifted her mind, her consciousness, and so the body changed. I think, you know, that's really, a, like, again, something which, you know, people will really question. But of course, like, you know, it can happen. And it just shows you how deeply interconnected every aspect of our being really is. So it's like, Absolutely. feel the benefit from yoga. Does someone have to be like, you know, an expert at it or... Can anybody, you know, reap those benefits that you've been talking about? Anybody can reap it. My yoga teacher says if you're paralyzed and you can move one little finger, you can start doing yoga with that little finger. And it can bring things back to you. You have to want to change, Vedika. See, life gives you what you want. Yoga is like an ocean. You approach it with a spoon, you'll get a spoonful of water. You approach it with a cup, you'll get a cup full, a bucket, a bucket full. You jump into it, the whole ocean is yours. So what is your thirst in, like, I do have an occasional student who will come to my class just thinking I'll give her a very fit body. And my yoga gives you a fit body over a period of time, but not just that. So she'll drop out uh, mm -hmm three, four weeks later, because she's just looking for a gym class, which is right. not what I teach. And I think that's what, you know, I was really trying to, to ask you earlier. And, you know, we spoke about that, you know, yoga is, especially the way you've looked at yoga, it's more than just like a gym or an aerobics or like a workout session, which is sometimes Absolutely. that misconception that people have that, you know, okay, I can do yoga to lose weight. And just sort of how many Surya Namaskars, for instance, can I do in an hour? But, you know, it's based on how you said that anyone can benefit from yoga. Suppose someone is keen to start their journey with yoga. Where do you think they can begin? Well, they begin with finding a good yoga teacher. Yoga cannot, according to me, be learned from YouTubes and videos. It can help. But the authentic yoga, you have to find an authentic yoga teacher. It's a guru shishya parampara. It's passed down from the teacher to the student. Right. And Miss, how do you feel that, you know, we can all incorporate yoga into our daily lives? Because everyone, and you know, gradually, for instance, as lockdown eases, people are going to again get busy with things. But one thing which you stressed upon earlier is that yoga is not your, you know, quick fix that, oh, today I can't sleep, for instance, let me do a few asanas. It's something we need to do very consistently. So how do you think we can, you know, just incorporate that into our lives? But firstly, you have to practice yoga, Vedika. You have to make your asana, pranayama, meditation practice like eating breakfast. Then you don't have to do much else because what 
you've created in that practice will automatically start living in your life for example yesterday i was doing something uh, a little vigorous and fast and i was reminded that don't hurry hurry diminishes time if you do it slowly you'll have more time so when i was teaching ninth standard kids on zoom and i had pressure of com- completing syllabus exams around the corner i was in a hurry and suddenly that voice says hurry shrinks time give up hurry time will expand and i chilled in one breath i dissolved the hurry and believe me i finished everything i meant i decided to teach i started enjoying the class which i was so in little ways like that whatever you cultivate in an asana practice without you doing effortlessly comes into your day to day living and you know like now there's so much conversation about like you know going into this new normal like what is something you would like to see in that new normal i would like to see people who don't need to escape themselves i'd like to see people who have learned to be comfortable in their skin i'd like to see people who are anchored in themselves and are not so threatened by every little thing going wrong i'd like to see people who have resilience based on their inner equipment and i'd like to see people who are more concerned with essence than form the problem is uh we become too oriented towards form the tangible the tangible is all that there is so my body is tangible my body is all important if it's not beautiful i'm nothing but the intangible is the source of the tangible right if people learn to experience the intangible more live more anchored in the tangible in the intangible and give more importance to essence and feeling people who live to feel good rather than look good the whole drive is to look good never mind how i'm feeling inside but if the priority shifts how do i live life to feel good in my skin not just look good i would like those things to seep into the consciousness and the people who value people who understand that money is important will give you a comfortable life but it's not going to give you the important things like peace happiness uh, security so earn money it's good to earn money but don't build your whole life around earning money and don't draw your self worth from your paycheck your self worth is about what you are it's not about anything you achieve outside or your bank balance so that work life balance i hope it comes i hope people become much more conscious of the environment that's one wish i really have and i hope they start giving more priority to their relationships to their health to their mental health and this now lastly i'm going to ask you like you know one thing that if you could give one piece of advice to anybody who's having you know a hard time with their mental health right now what would that be i would say two things one is don't take your thoughts very seriously 
because your thought is actually just like a dream you're having in a waking state if something terrible happens in the dream while you wake up feel bad for a while and then you say it's just a dream it's okay it's not real but for a thought the most bizarre thought we feel it's a statement of truth so once i had a yoga student a mother who was paranoid about her daughter's test results so when her daughter was in the second standard she saw her up for a maths test saying that i know you're going to fail come and the child was a clever child she turned around and told her mother mom you think i'm going to fail i'm not going to fail it's just a thought in your head throw it away i said wow that is wisdom if adults have that wisdom when the mind tells you you're going to fail this is going to happen that is going to happen to just say hey this is just a thought it's a dream i'm having in a waking state it's not real it's not a statement or a prediction so one is don't take your thoughts seriously uh secondly uh understand that you have limited control over what happens don't be a control freak you have control how you over how you react to what happens but you're not going to have control over circumstances but whatever the circumstances are it's easy to let go of controlling trying to control them if you trust that they are being controlled down to the minutest detail by the higher power which is always faithful to your good in the gita krishna tells arjun but not even a leaf falls from the tree to the ground without my will so krishna allah whatever you call it uh without that will nothing happens and if you really believe that everything is being controlled by that will which is all knowing and all loving somehow you start surrendering to life i'll do my best and the universe is there to do the rest i don't have to feel anxious if i can't control the rest because usually i can't but i'll put my best foot forward and i know i live in a friendly universe the universe will do the rest so i think that's been like i really don't know how to summarize like everything that you said it's been so beautiful and so so insightful so thank you so much for you know being here sharing all your knowledge all your insights with us and i think a lot of people will really benefit from this conversation because you've put yoga in an entirely different light for us so thank you vedika so thank you again for being here and for all our viewers who are watching this you know just know that if you're having a hard time with your mental health right now there is always help available and know that you know if times are hard if things are hard you know even miss sanjana mentioned that your thoughts are not always facts so reach out to someone please seek help and know that it gets better so till next time please stay well and stay healthy thank you